Welcome to Simply Finance, the podcast series designed to educate Australia on simply everything finance. Welcome back to Simply Finance, brought to you by Positive Lending Solutions. My name, of course, is Matt Tarrant, and this week I'm once again joined by Julian Richards. Julian, thanks so much for joining me, mate. Glad to be here, Matt. Again, good topic today. Huge topic. Now, this week, we're actually going to chat about someone, one person in particular, who was one of the richest and most powerful media tycoons in our country's history, multi-billionaire Kerry Francis Bormore Packer. Now, Packer had a huge reputation of being a tough, no-nonsense businessman who was often described as a ruthless, feared and revered. Now, he was born in 1937 and unfortunately did die in 2005, age 68. Now, as you mentioned, there's a a lot of stories when it comes to Packer. We could go on for hours and uh, many quirks of Kerry too, but we're going to try to stick to some key points today uh, just so we can stick within a time frame. So before we begin, before maybe you kick me off with some more information, I want to maybe, I guess, go through a bit of a run through of the history of Kerry Packer to get you some five top tips to really get you interested and keen on this story. So in 1991, Kerry Packer threatened to have Malcolm Turnbull. Yes, that Malcolm Turnbull killed. And this is all over a deal that fell out to buy Fairfax Newspaper Group, which at the time owned Sydney Morning Herald, The Age, and more recently founded the streaming service Stan. Now, in 1995, 25 gold bars weighing a total of 285 kilos and a Vegemite jar full of gold nuggets were also stolen from Packer's personal safe. In today's money, it would be worth around $24 million. At the time, I was eight years old, so I definitely cannot be a suspect in that case either. He was also huge on the darts, big smoker, Kerry Packer. In fact, at times, he smoked up to 80 cigarettes a day, so a bit of a chimney. And now he also, for fact number four, Packer made a cool 800 million cash when he sold the Nine Network for just over a billion dollars to disgraced Aussie tycoon Alan Bond. Packer then bought it back for $250 million. And of course, most people might know this, he also created the World Series Cricket in which he made contracts with the most popular cricketers to play one-day matches in colourful uniforms and made sure he had the sole rights to broadcast the matches on his own Channel 9. So, Julian, there's a lot to go through today when it comes to Kerry Packer, and I thought maybe you can kick me off a little bit with, I guess, the story of how he became who he was. Sure thing, Matt. He's a fascinating, absolutely fascinating character. So Packer, one one thing to note about him, he wasn't from rags to riches kind of story. He wasn't really an entrepreneur, you know, in modern day terms. He inherited most of it from his father, who, who was a media tycoon in his own right. You know, obviously back in the back in the day, World War Two, that that kind of era. <clears throat> um, Frank Packer, Kerry Packer's father, was the um, controller who controlled the Australian Consolidated Press and the Nine Network in those early days. Um, he also stab- established the Australian w- Women's Weekly, which made the Packer family huge dollars at the time. Obviously, print media was the only media back then, no internet. Um, Frank Packer 
Kerry Packer's father died in 1974 and uh, surprisingly due to a fallout with Kerry's older brother Clyde, Kerry, the younger brother, inherited uh, the control and wealth of his father's media interests. So it kind of worked out well for Packer. He did have a a lot of luck in his life, which we'll uh, discover in this podcast. Um, Frank Packer was really described as a heavy drinker with a very short fuse and that likely hardened up the young Kerry Packer. Interestingly, in Kerry Packer's early days, in 1956, when I think he was about 18, he was involved in a a car crash which killed three people, the occupants of the other car. So that was an amazing amazing thing at the the time. Um, Packer had apparently been drinking, although it's important to note that um, Packer was never found guilty. The crash was not his fault. Um, And since that day, when Packer was 18, he never, ever touched alcohol uh, again. So, you know, got got off the booze um, pretty quickly in life at the age of 18. Um, But uh, also important to note, I doubt um, blood alcohol content testing would have been very serious back in uh, 1956. I don't think the test would be anywhere like it is today. Probably just walk along a straight line and um, try to squeeze your head or or tap your head on top of and rolling your stomach, maybe something like that. So I guess what happened in the car crash? I mean, it's the first I've heard of this. So so he was involved in a car accident, killed a couple of people. How did that happen? True, yeah. Well, it happened when he was driving back from a skiing trip. Uh, he was with a family friend. It happened about 1 a.m. So um, obviously in the dark of night, uh, an oncoming car apparently veered onto, and this was proven with the aftermath of the crash, veered onto Packer's side of the road. And although Packer tried to avoid the oncoming car, they ended up having a head-on collision or close to head-on collision. And unfortunately, with lack of seatbelts and safety back in those days, the, the occupants of the other car were killed. Packer was injured, not too badly um, and police did agree at the time that it was not Packer's fault. I don't want to say anything but perhaps maybe the fact that Packer has a, uh, a little bit of money might have come into play with that police decision possibly you never know. I, I guess I wonder what would have happened if it was in this modern day era if that would occur again there'd be probably a bit more of an outrage online I'm assuming. So this guy who is huge, rich and powerful, he got a lot of his money from his family, but he didn't just sit on that wealth. He increased it. And, you know, he really boosted his family empire. How did that happen? Well, Packer had many fingers in many pies, so to speak. Um, the Packer empire in its heyday included magazines, TV networks, telecommunications, petrochemicals, heavy engineering, um, a 75% stake in the Parish of Blue ski resort, diamond exploration, coal mines, and investments in casinos uh, in Australia and overseas. So quite a lot of uh, pies there for Packer. Um, one of the mas- massive cash injections he received was, as you mentioned before, in the five facts uh, a cool 800 million um, and that happened when uh, in the late 80s when he sold channel 9 to disgraced business tycoon alan bond um, for what just over a billion dollars it was and uh, interesting little fact packer stuck that check for just over a billion dollars a billion dollars and 55,000 possibly i think it was um, he stuck it on the door of his office just to kind of uh, show everybody um, Bond uh, was another huge m- name in business in the 1980s in Australia and when Bond's empire collapsed and uh, amid scandals and legalities, Packer bought it back for uh, a measly um, $250 million. So just to recap that one, he sold Channel 9 for a billion, rebought it for $250 million. So roughly 
pocketing $800 million. So big, big bucks, especially uh, in the early 90s there. Um, by the way, Matt, Alan Bond was another Christopher Scase type, um, as we discussed Scasey in our last pop podcast there. Listeners might be interested in. Um, Bond was actually convicted of fraud in 1992 and spent four years in prison and uh, accumulated debts of up to $1.8 billion. So Packer's uh, $250 million probably didn't go that far. Um, anyway, back to Packer. Uh, in 1984, Packer was involved in a scandal of his own, actually. Um, he was accused by a Royal Commission, so another serious one, as we've discussed in previous podcasts. Um, He was accused of tax avoidance, drug trafficking, and drug dealing, and even murder, um, or at least paying for people to be killed. Um, No charges were ever laid against Packer, but he... um, he was quite shaken, not uh, not jailed, of course, and he was publicly exonerated, but I don't think it really helped him. Shaken, but not jailed. I mean, I feel like I'd prefer uh, being shaken than I would be jailed, to be honest. Now, it was a bit of a sports buff as well, and I'm not sure about yourself, but I'm pretty heavily into my sport, but maybe not so much into cricket as much as Kerry was. So you did mention, or we did mention before, sorry, that he created the World Series of Cricket. How did that happen? Yeah, that's true. So that was one of uh, one of the things that Kerry did that most people would remember him for, especially um, around the world internationally. He did start up uh, World Series cricket, as, as we know it, the um, day day night games and one day games, um, in which the players, of course, will wear colours. So when cricket change from really the um, traditional five-day test matches where they all wear whites to those one-day games where they smash the ball around a bit more and 50 overs per side and even nowadays 2020 cricket um, that's all all because of Packer. Um, Basically um, the old cricket guard if you will responsible for those test matches at the time weren't really impressed when Packer introduced the idea back in 1977 of of trying to get more get more of an audience. um, Packer's plan was to basically buy or pay for all of the world's top cricketers and bring them together for this World Series tournament, put them in colours um, and take them away from their home teams, uh, which interrupted the Test Series, of course. So Packer really went to war, if you will, with um, the old cricket guard, mainly in England. Um, the benefit for Packer, of course, was televising the whole thing on his own Channel 9 network, bringing, would, no doubt would bring in huge dollars. Um, there's actually a TV series um, which was filmed in 2012, I believe, a drama based on the Kerry Packers Cricket War at the time, which is actually called Kerry Packers Cricket War. How's that is the name of it, so check it out. Um, Packers' aim was to secure the broadcasting rights for Australian cricket. Um, He was largely successful in that, as he was most things in his life. In the 1970s, global cricket, the global cricket establishment took Packer to court. Um, Packer did hire, this is another little nugget that I think is quite interesting, he hired the 10 best senior counsel, senior legal counsels in the UK at the time, put them on retainers and instructed them, no other work. You can only work for Packer, obviously, at huge expense. So Packer basically did this to buy the best legal teams in the UK in order for the old cricket guard not to be able to use them. So denying them of the best legal minds, in other words. Um, KP won, Kerry Packer won, of course. And as we know, World Series cricket gained huge popularity. It's still played today. And I think Lionel Hutz was the lawyer for the uh, the UK government, from what I understand. So uh-huh. they didn't have the best in the business, unfortunately. Now, 
we touched on before a story that I have, again, just to be very clear, no understanding of. I wasn't there at the time. But 1995, Kerry lost a lot of gold. In fact, some gold was stolen from him. What happened? Do you know more about this than I do? Well, you may not have been there, Matt. Unfortunately, I wasn't either, but I, I wish I had been. Um, the thief was actually never caught. Um, the story is Kerry Packer's hidden safe um, was robbed of around 283, 285 something kilos of gold bullion um, happened in, in April 1995. The safe was expertly burned through the blowtorch. Um, and I believe the hole, the blowtorch hole was made in the precise location to be able to crack it. So police came to the conclusion it was a master safe cracker who single-handedly got away with the loot and was never caught. Police technically knew who did it, but they never ever received enough uh, evidence and uh, enough to really arrest this person. Um, and of course, the, this expert thief never gave himself away and surprisingly barely spent any of it. All that we've ever discovered has barely spent any of it. Um, it's reported that the thief was dating Packer's ex-secretary at the time and she told him about the gold. She worked, she had previously worked in the office. Maybe she told him to get revenge for being fired. It's kind of unknown. But um, the, anyway, the thief knew exactly where to look. Um, the, safe, the safe was hidden in Packer's office in Sydney somewhere. Um, the thief used expert skills, as I said, to mention the hole in the Chubb safe and the precise location. In other, in other words, he knew what he was doing and the evidence showed that. It didn't really show how, how he got away with it. Well, because I guess how do you get over 280 kilos of gold out of an office? Uh, you know, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I'm, I've been to the gym a couple of times and now I think even someone like me with all that weight ability behind me, I, I couldn't do that. How does he do it? Well, what they think happened um, was that he got away with wheeling the gold out in a hand cart, you know, something that would usually store lunch trays or other, other kinds of goods on it for the office. He took, it, took the gold hidden on the, this push cart down in the lift to a, um, a loading dock area at the base of the building where only Packer parked. So it was Packer's private car park. Packer was away on the weekends. This did happen on a weekend. Um, the thief apparently loaded the gold bars and into the back of his ute and drove off. Um, the undisclosed, inverted commas, the undisclosed thief was so good that although police knew or had very strong suspicions of who it was, they were, he was never able to be arrest, arrested, basically due to lack of evidence. Um, the police theorised that the gold was melted down in Melbourne and sold in dribs and drabs to avoid detection. So they say they have no evidence, but there must have been CCTV in Packers premises back in the day, surely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, CCTV's been around since well before 1995. It's probably probably not as good as it is today. But um, anyway, there was no cameras um, that showing any solid evidence, no facial recognition, nothing like that. The thief made off with a complete huge fortune, you know, as we said, $24 million in today's money or something. Um, police did actually find the suspect 15 years later. So that would have been 2010. Um, and actually the thief was pulled over in the same old Ford Falcon Ute that he used to haul off the gold. Um, so why did detectives pull him over and not arrest him? Well, they didn't really have enough to keep him on. Detectives came face to face with this suspect on the side of the road and really only pulled him over to kind of rattle his cage a bit. The suspect, of course, 
didn't give anything up and Polif didn't have enough to to hold him or anything like that. Um, by the way, one note going back to Packer, Packer did get reimbursed by his insurance company and was never out of pocket. So it wasn't that huge big a deal for him. A drop in the ocean, $24 million for Packer. Well, especially if he gets it back as well. Now, I mentioned before that he once threatened the former Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull. Can you maybe talk me through how that came about? Yeah, this was another one of Packer's infamous stories. Um, it happened in obviously the years well before Turnbull became Prime Minister. Um, happened in the early 1990s, so going back even before the gold heist. Um, Kerry Packer was trying to buy the Fairfax Media Group, um, as you mentioned in the in the facts before. Um, Packer was apparently, I do use the word pretty strongly, apparently going in as a silent investor. But uh, Turnbull, a lawyer at the time, had found out that Packer wasn't planning on being as silent as it appeared. Um, according to secret notes obtained by Turnbull, Packer was using the Fairfax Media Group to try and get revenge on editors and journalists, um, obviously those who had written negative things about him. Um, Packer didn't end up buying it at uh, Fairfax, by the way, be simply moved on. So KB had a pretty epic life by the sounds of things. There's a lot of stories, as you sort of mentioned, and we're only touching on a small number of them today. What was his life like later on in life, though? I mean, a guy who no longer drank um, but did still smoke a lot. Um, I'm interested to see, I guess, what happened in his later years. Well, in Packer's later years, um, he did have a declining health situation, as we know about, um, mainly because of his cigarettes and eating a lot of junk food, it would would appear. He suffered a serious heart attack in 1990. I think it was actually at a polo field. Um, He was clinically dead for seven minutes and was only saved because a nearby ambulance was actually carrying the special equipment required to start a heart, um, bearing in mind that was the early 90s. Um, you know, he also suffered from a kidney condition um, for many years. Um, and surprisingly, in the year 2000, his long-serving helicopter pilot actually donated one of his own kidneys to, to Packer. Um, now, with his ailing health, um, his son James, probably we all probably know James Packer, um, took over a lot of the family's business, mainly in the early 2000s. Um, James Packer really inherited a lot of the... Um, Consolidated Press Holdings, which was one of Packer's um, bigger sources of income, as well as the Crown Casino Resorts and and a few other companies. Carrie Packer actually died on Boxing Day in 2005. He was 68 at the time. What an amazing 68 years full of some incredible and amazing stories. And as we've sort of said, we've only just touched on just a small number of those today. As you mentioned before, if people did want to find out more about Kerry Packer, uh, you mentioned the documentary or or the series, sorry, How's That, uh, which is the Kerry Packer's War, which is a really, really good watch and would strongly recommend that one. Uh, Of course, it focuses mainly on the World Series of Cricket and uh, the war or legal war with that old cricket, cricket establishment. Anywhere else they should be looking, Julian? Um, yeah, there's an, another um, uh, another documentary, I believe it is, well, a movie documentary called Power Games, the uh, Packer-Murdoch War, which focuses on Kerry Packer's newspaper and media interests. But uh, I believe that's based around in the 60s and, and 70s going up to the 80s. So that's another interesting one. To be honest, I, I haven't watched that one. There's a lot more out of though, and I know you, and I know Absolutely. how much you've enjoyed finding out about Kerry Packer, and I have no doubt probably over the weekend you'll be chucking Power Games on and um, enjoying some more stories. 
Absolutely, mate. Absolutely fascinating character and, you know, um, a, the kind of character who who no doubt attracts all this attention and, and information about him and absolutely amazing guy, Kerry Packer. Well, one day we might be the next KP. All we need is a very, very rich dad to kick us off. So if yeah. uh, there's any listening out there, feel free to adopt. And uh, there's a couple right here that are keen <laughs> to get on board. But, mate, as always, it's been a lot of fun chatting today. And uh, thanks again for, I guess, uh, learning and discovering and, and teaching us all these amazing stories about these incredible characters in Australian finance history. Happy to do it, Matt. Always interesting. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Simply Finance, brought to you by Positive Lending Solutions. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. And you can find both myself, Matt Tarrant, and Julian Richards across all social media platforms. And of course, Positive Lending Solutions via the Positive Group Facebook page and LinkedIn. And be sure to join us next week where we discuss a big story in Australian finance history, the death of the Australian car. We look forward to joining you then. All of the ideas and advice discussed in this podcast is of a general nature only. Always consult a financial expert like the ones at Positive Lending Solutions before applying for credit or making a financial decision.